Hey, music lovers, you're listening to Record Store Radio with Tom Honan. Check it out and definitely go check out a record store. You'll find new artists, new music, old music, vintage music, great stuff on CD and vinyl. The artists are counting on you. Tito Puente Jr., we are backstage at the Cohoes Music Hall. You took a break from sound check, so thank yeah. you very much. Thank uh, you for having me. And let's start there. Um, what goes on? I, I know I've you know your shows start generally at about a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> and, no, there's no ballads here. <laughs> yeah, and, and then there's it goes wow, it goes from there. So people expect a party from you guys. That and that's what you deliver, don't you? And that's the message my father, Dito Puente, the king of Latin music, has been delivering throughout his entire career. Just up-tempo, mambo music. This is Afro-Cuban music, so it's built for dancing. I saw there's a dance floor, but they put chairs on it. They got to move those things. I I, I think people are going to move them as they Yeah. Because you cannot sit. No, while while you're while you're playing this music, and so on, on your I'm looking at your T-shirt that you yeah. have here. It's got Dad, King and Queen King of and Latin Queen music, Celia Cruz. Yeah, I keep Dad real close to me. I tattooed him on myself. Yeah, um, no. I kind of spitting image. I just without the white hair. You need the white hair. I need the white hair. But yeah. that's coming. It is very very soon. Yeah. Now <laughs> let's let's go with that. Talk about your dad's enormous impact on on. Latin jazz and what he has gifted to you. It's an incredible, uh, it's an incredible story and a historical story, and it's a story that will be embedded into musicians around the world for the rest of their lives. As my father's been in, uh, you know, encyclopedias and books upon readings, uh, just he is a staple of Latin America and Afro-Cuban music. And it's Hispanic Heritage Month, so even more people want to be more informed about the music that Tito Puente left this planet with. There's incredible stuff. Um, wait for the documentary. It's coming out soon. <laughs> it's <laughs> going to tell the whole story. Well, yeah. It's tough to put that much of a, of his world into 50-year career. 90 minutes or whatever yeah. it's going to be. You yeah. Know? yeah. Very yeah. tough. 50-year career, over 186 albums, four, seven-time Grammy Award winner, 14 nominations, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and go on and on all the actors. Played for four different presidents uh, at the White House. Um, and, I mean, and there's a song that we all know, Oye Como Va. And there it is. Oye Como Va. That's the one that put me through college. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> That's the jam. And we got to thank personally, publicly, to Mr. Carlos Santana for making for it a worldwide hit. Paying your college bills. Yes, and it did. And that song turned 60 years old this year. It came out in 1963 on an album called El Rey Bravo Antico. And Carlos Santana released it in 71 on the Abraxas album. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's, it's, it's alive and well. It's you know, right up there with Macarena, I Will Survive, and, yeah. and all those other great uh, his Latin hits. Just it, incredible. It, it's just, and it, it's a worldwide joyful thing that, mm-hmm. that, that everybody gets. The reason why the song, I think, personally to me, works so well with the American public and everywhere. I won't just say the American people, but I'll say every country loves that song. And we go to, to the Far East, to Japan, and they sing it. And they don't know English nor Spanish. Yeah. And they sing the song because it's a call and response song. Oye, como va? Everybody can sing it together. Yep. It's back and forth. So it's a, it's one of those call and response records that people just 
love hearing, and it's a cha-cha-cha, so it's very easy to dance to. Yeah, and, and people, you can't help moving your feet. If you don't move your feet, yeah. there's, there's something going on. Yeah, here. and Santana's version gives it that little rock edge with the guitar, right. but the conga is really what drives the whole song, and the, the rumba and the cha-cha-cha, the whole feel of the song. That is the gift that your father gave to the world. What what personally do you feel like you channel from him for your own career? How did this start? Did you just, you know, start crawling and go, yeah, I can I can play the timbales, Dad? Come on, let's go. It took me a very long time to have the confidence that I have today at the age of 52. Um, I'm originally a rock drummer. I played trap kit. Mm-hmm. So I like playing drums and I'm like, I'm an 80s kid. So I loved all the groups from back then. The Bon Jovi's, the Metallica's, the heavy stuff, Iron Maiden. There's a lot of tribute bands out there. You yes. Could, you could join one. I want to. I want to. They're going to be like, let's see what point they back there. What do you mean? So it's kind of strange, but I love that music. My father didn't care for it. Uh, he bought me a drum set. He told me to learn how to read and write music, go to college, learn how to uh, uh, get your chops up and go get some gigs. And I started out with a rock band first. And... You know, as a kid, they tell you, you know, your parents tell you, don't touch my stuff. I went in the garage. I started banging on dad's drums. No, 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 no. Yeah, he didn't want that. And uh, I, I don't think he... he uh, he influenced me but didn't guide me to play drums my mother was more the person that said go spend time with your father because he was never at home 300 shows a year wow so he was never home so when summer came and and in between school you know sessions uh, I had three months and my mom's like go with your father go spend time with him I need you out of the house <laughs> and I would travel around the world Indonesia Australia every continent except for Antarctica we were trying to get over there um, but every continent we've been on and it was an incredible experience being his son and learning about Afro-Cuban music and how much far-reaching his name, his brand, and his music reached this planet. Yeah, and, and let's go into the, the music part then because, you know, this is, you're, you're advertised all the time as Mambo. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk about some of the music and, and the definitions of it. So we all know what we're talking about. So Mambo is... What? What would you say? Mambo is a section of the music that's very exciting when the horn section comes in. It's Mambo's really a dance. And the music that you're hearing, well, what I've been performing and my father's performing is Afro-Cuban music. Today they call it salsa. I'll say that in my show, too. I kind of teach people. It's an educational experience. And so, you guys, salsa's where you put your chips in at the restaurant. Oh, and by the, <laughs> by the way, listeners, he had air quotes when he said salsa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah salsa. Salsa. Salsa tomate goya. Um, the music is Afro-Cuban music. So, the mambo was a dance that was invented in like in the 1950s and 60s. People loved hearing it, but it's originally a section of the music that uh, the late great Arsenio Rodriguez and Cachao Lopez, the bass player, they were Afro-Cuban musicians, and they called it el mambo. Póngale mucha fuerza en la mambo, which means play harder. Tell the band to play harder during a mambo section of the of the song. It's very exciting. And then you have the cha cha, the rumba, guanguanco, son montuno is the piano style of playing uh, but today they call it salsa and that's what we embrace it you know we take that word and we we go with it yeah and and so there's there's this kind of a gumbo when you look when you say afro-cuban Let, let's dig into that a little bit because i wish we had a map you know yeah. we just put darts in the yeah. map here because this music comes from from cuba there there's a brazilian sort of bossa nova mm-hmm. samba thing going on and then you go to like a ruben blades from panama yes you have all of these influences and they all ended up in the 
Puerto Rican community in New York City. Yeah, it's so wild. And I go even deeper than that. It comes from the Yoruba tribe in Nigeria and Senegal of Africa. The conga drum was actually invented in Africa. And then it went from the slaves that were brought over through Christopher Columbus to Cuba, Dominican Republic, and Puerto Rico, the Caribbean. And that conga sound, including Jamaica and all the all the Bahamian islands, they embraced that sound in soca music, in the merengue, in the Dominican Republic, and the bomba plenas that you have in Puerto Rico, and of course in Cuba, the Afro-Cuban rhythms. It was, bent, it was built and meant for dancing and for uh, communication between the slaves and between uh, different villages around the around the whole you know everywhere africa is so large but that's how they would communicate through conga drums and a rhythm would be invented at that time and that sound of that afro cuban they integrated inter 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 i don't even know the word they integrated it with piano and bass and all that and the piano of course coming from the Victorian age, and it, would, it got involved into the Cuban style of music. And that's where you got the melodies of the Somontuno and all that. But it's really deep-rooted from African roots, this music. Yeah, and, and when you try to define it, it's really hard to do that. You explained it very well. But, mm-hmm. you know, bottom line is then... Um, it, it was embraced in kind of a living, breathing thing and changed over the time. And now here you are yeah. paying it forward. Yeah. What... Do you, you you certainly honor the tradition and the roots of all that. What do you do in your own career to make a little bit of a spin on it? Do you add some of that 80s Bon Jovi yeah. stuff a little rock that feel. you want to do to it? A little more cowbell than, the, than you're used to hearing. <laughs> um, I, I add my own quirkiness, but the last name Puente, Tito Puente. Puente means bridge. And that's what my father did for 50 years. He bridged communities, religions, colors, creeds, and of course, generations together. Together. And he would take the people from the 1950s and 60s, that music, and it would sound fresh and new in the 80s and then into the 90s throughout his five-decade career. I've been playing my father's music for the past 20 years, and he passed away 23 years ago, and we're celebrating his 100th anniversary this year. Well, he would have been 100 years awesome. old. That yeah. is kind of good to know. But it's it's not reinventing the wheel. It's, it was innovative back then, and it sounds so fresh and new now that people love that. So now the kid that's today, who's 20 years old, who listens to Bad Bunny and Mark Anthony and all these other all these these great you know superstars? Um, they know where that music comes from. It comes from Celia Cruz, Tito Puente, Ray Barreto, Afro Cuban All Stars, and of course Fania All Stars. They Johnny Pacheco. They created that sound. Eddie Palmieri, Charlie Palmieri. They're the ones. They're the innovators and the ones that broke down the door because back then it was a lot of racism too, and you couldn't f- uh, have Latin music go far reaching into this country. Tito Puente was the pioneer that pushed it all over the world and throughout America. Yeah, and I don't think he was going to take no for an answer. He was not. He was not. And I got to tell you a real quick story. He played in the 1940s in Miami Beach. At that time, the Fountain Blue, the Doville Hotel and yeah. all that. And there, there was a color barrier back then. And my father's, most of his musicians were of Afro-Cuban descent. So they were dark skin. And they were like, well, Mr. Puente, you, can't, you can stay here, but your band can't. And they would have to stay over in an area called Overtown. And this was a lot of racism back then. My father said, I ain't going nowhere without my band and my father went over to Overtown to stay with his brothers and sisters yeah he didn't <laughs> you know, yeah he wanted to well they thought Tito Puente was a mix because he had kinky hair too yeah so you yeah. couldn't really tell
tell. He had the afro going on. Is he black? Is he white? He's from Harlem, New York. Yeah, he's from Harlem, and he's tannish. So yeah, we yeah. Can be here, you but. couldn't tell what race he was, but yeah. he loved he'd been proud Puerto Rican New Yorker. Absolutely. You know, yeah. now with him, and talk about some of his peers, because also on your shirt is Celia Cruz. Yes, the queen, the queen, the queen of salsa, Guarachela de la salsa. Celia was discovered uh, through very at a very young age uh, with a group called Sonora Mantancera, which is very very popular in Cuba in the island of Cuba and my father loved Afro-Cuban music so he would go to Cuba and visit and then, this is BC before Castro oh. <laughs> okay. yeah, good. Yeah. yeah so it's 1938-39 Celia was a young 16 year old back then and my father was I think in his late 20s or around there this was before the war yeah so he must have been 17, 16, 15 years old and he got so fascinated with her voice that he went and my father served in the Navy for three years uh, on the aircraft carrier USS Santee and uh, he saw he battled in battles and he made it through and a lot of people look at Tito Puente's face and you can see the shrapnel scars a little bit oh so really it gives him his character it yeah. gave him his character he never liked talking about that though they don't yeah my father's like so that. traumatic his whole platoon get blown out of the waters yeah. horrific for him but when he left an honorary discharge uh, after serving for three years he got something called the GI Bill which pays for your school and your schooling and your job that you had prior to being drafted into uh, the, the war and dad went back to Cuba after that and it discovered Celia and said, man, this woman needs to come to New York and sing. And then they started a relationship at that point, musical relationship in the early, late 60s in recording together over 30 plus albums. That is just a gift to this world. Celia was amazing. She's going to be on the quarter, the United States quarter next year in 2024. And and your dad has a stamp. Yeah. I mean, forget the Grammys, forget everything else. He got a stamp. He got a stamp. (laughs) Bigger than that, my dad's claim to fame, he loved talking about it. He was on The Simpsons. Who shot Mr. Burns? He's Tito Puente. (laughs) (laughs) Now you know you made it. Forget this Latin jazz Yeah, That was a side career. That was it. And then the Sesame Street gig he had with Oscar the Grouch. Yeah, you made it. You You made it. When you, you want the shows, you got, a, you got a speaking role with Oscar the Grouch. Yeah. I mean, life life is good that yeah. way. So, what is what are you doing in your career? Um, a to bring the music to to the world, but also, are you are you in a position to pass it down to young kids? And, and you know, there's formal schooling yeah. and going to college, getting a degree, or studying this. But you know, are, are there Ways to connect with young people, five, six, seven, eight, nine years old in schools yes. to get this music out. I, I think there's a, a lack in this country, a lack of musical programs for children, for kids, uh, conservatories of music, universities of music, um, music schools in general. Um, I think uh, the you know the it's the politicians they need to add more music to schooling because when I was growing up, I played bass and drum choir and, and uh, you know marching drum band. I love doing that stuff, and I don't. See See that I see that lacking in schools a lot, and music is such a great outlet. My father taught me surround yourself with creative people, thus you will be creative. And I could sit with musicians all night long and just talk about music, any genre, any genre of music, um, and that includes classical music and Gregorian chants from from monks in Tibet. I can talk about it all because I'm so fascinated with music in general. Um, I believe that I'm bridging now the younger generation, especially through social media, where I present my father's music in a way and a format that everybody can understand. Spanish or English. Español in English. No importa. I try to 
uh, presented in a way that's more conducive for young people to understand Afro-Cuban music. Because if you go in and you say, well, jazz and jazz and Afro-jazz, and I think they're kind of a little confused about that, especially the kids that are listening to hip-hop, rock music, hip, you know, dance yeah. music, the pop music of today. It's hard to connect through those uh, portals of music like the jazz and the classical music where I explain it like, well, you guys know who Jennifer Lopez is. So, you know. Start, where, start yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, you know, Jennifer, yeah, start at Jennifer Lopez. She was influenced by Tito, Puente, Celia Cruz. And I, I think kids kind of understand that, especially the parents. And I encourage the parents at all my concerts, teach your kids. You know, it's very easy to go. When we had, we were growing up, we had encyclopedias to find out about these people. Who's who in America? Now you got Google, man. Just get on Google, type in Tito. Point day, and you're going to discover one of the most amazing philanthropists, percussionists, and just a, a great human being that really left a mark on this planet. Yeah, and I think that's the um, the deeper way to create. You're talking about creating, and we're talking about this music, and all of a sudden, we just had a geography lesson and a history lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about slavery in Africa and, and everything from Brazil to Panama to Mexico to Cuba. Mm-hmm. That gets your mind into this. And it's not simply sampling or assembling music sounds on a computer. It's going deeper and understanding the people yes. and the cultures behind this. Yeah. And I think that grounding, which you got firsthand mm-hmm. and your dad certainly got firsthand, that. I don't know if you agree with this, but that might be missing now in this automated world. Agreed. Yeah. You know, and and I think it's getting past that. So it's it's not just music education per se, but mm-hmm. it's history, which we're losing a lot <laughs> of yeah. geography and how that all mushes together. Because then you're talking food, wine, yeah, agriculture, everything, everything to do sports. with sports, sports, <laughs> entertainment, yeah. very actors, actresses. It embodies everything that we are, especially now during Hispanic Heritage Month. What we represent. Orgullo Hispano, as we say, very proud to be Hispanic and very proud of our culture. And tonight, when I do the concerts, I try to teach and culture those who don't have not been cultured before. The American, you know, American Jewish guy. Hey, how are you? I love your father. It's funny because most of my fans are Jewish and Italian. <laughs> it's hilarious when I see them. They're like, we love your father, Tino. He's amazing. And But whoever comes to the concerts, whether young or old, the older folks, of course, know who Tito Puente is. The younger folks who don't know, and they only know through their grandparents or maybe their parents and they used to listen to them when they're cleaning the house I kind of culture them so when they leave the concert they're getting educated they're getting entertained especially and they're going home with some value whether they're Hispanic or not of our music the Afro-Cuban music it's really something cool yeah and and it's when we say Hispanic Heritage Month that covers a lot and I think the culturing that you're talking about in the teaching you know, you have to break that down. There's there's Mexican culture, there's Puerto mm-hmm. Rican culture, Panamanian, and it, you know, Hispanic is the big word. Yes, but I think it's really important for all of us to understand the individual cultures, so That's we right. can appreciate them for what they are, and then how they blend. Now you have the Cuban, Cuban, Afro-Cuban is mm-hmm. just written all over this stuff. Of course. And we got we got Italian holidays, we got Irish holidays, we got Mexican holidays, we have Black uh, Black History Month, we have Hispanic Heritage Month, so we can embody all the the Hispanics, not just Puerto Rican, Cuban, Dominican, the Caribbean. We want to embrace everybody from South America to Central America, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador. All those are so important because they're all part of us. And it's a uh, and like you said, I like the agriculture part too because. 
as a Hispanic, and anyone listening who is Hispanic, we love our food. Yes. <laughs> we love your food, too. Yes. I'm Irish. We love your food. There you go. <laughs> but, that, but that is important, especially, again, in this global world mm-hmm. where, you know, we, we kind of have ultra-processed almost everything and taken the culture out of almost everything we eat and drink. Yeah. Um, it is really important to look at the, go to the bodegas and go to these neighborhoods and understand these food cultures mm-hmm. because with that comes an understanding of the people. Yes. Understanding of the music. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can stop yelling and fighting each other. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If we're sitting down to dinner, yeah. you, you, you know, it's not going to turn into a food fight. Yeah. Well, it's hard in a Latin household, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but because, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my father was an ambassador of Latin music, and wherever he went, he always embraced that, that term and the king of Latin music, if you will. But he embraced people. So anybody that came to his concerts, all he performed in... Bangladesh and the Indians were there just watching him they didn't understand the language but they understood the culture they got culture and they understood the Afro-Cuban sound of the conga the timbale the bongo the music and my father spoke to them in a language which is universal uh, the, the universal language of music and that's what everybody gets and that's hopefully that's what people take home tonight oh they're going yeah. to and I yeah. know that it's a, a, a quite a full house tonight Actually, I'm excited, but I am interested because I'll be photographing the show, and I'm going to be very interested in seeing how the people up front manage to fold up their chairs. <laughs> You're going to have to move some dancers and understand yeah. the culture demands that uh, they I, dance. I already told them I'm not inciting a riot, but you can dance, folks. <laughs> yeah, just move the chairs and don't yeah. hurt anybody. So, um, so Tito, thank you. I know you have to get back to work, and uh, you should eat something before the show. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's you know Hispanic culture food, but yeah. <laughs> but anyway, thank you for the few minutes backstage. I appreciate. And uh, get out front and uh, kick do, it up, man. Do our thing. I'm going to give you some music. And uh, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. And uh, let me know so I can share it with the world. And, we and will let's do this. celebrate Hispanic culture. Very good. Thank you, Tito. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks, man. Thank you to Tito for sharing some of his history and culture of mambo and Latin jazz. Up next on Record Star Radio, singer-songwriter Guy Davis along with storyteller and playwright David Gonzalez, right here on Record Star Radio. Until then, be well. (laughs) 